And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Sir, this isn't the song I chose. This is Girls Just Wanna Have Fun. I'm not gonna sing this song. Son of a bitch! Come on! Good morning, sweet world! And welcome to the No Dunks Podcast on the Athletic Network. It's Tuesday, November 10th. 2020. I'm J.E. Skeets, and today we got the homie Tass Mellis. We got the bearded one, Trey Kirby, the man making the magic happen, J.D., and a special guest. He's back for a second time. It's the Athletics' very own NBA insider, John Hollinger. John, appreciate you joining us here this morning. Thanks for having me, guys. We're going to get into your mock draft up on the Athletic, but my first question, I want to know, what time did you end up cracking that celebratory beer on Saturday, and what (laughs) beer did you go with, John? So uh, it was it was slightly before noon, so uh, which which I don't typically do, and uh, it was no, it was a nice double IPA. Oh, very yeah. nice. Yeah, it went went down smooth. It was a warm day on Saturday, but it wasn't too heavy. You know, so it was nice. It was good. Good. Yeah. good. Yeah. Uh, look, NBA draft. Uh, it sounds weird to say this out loud, but it's just over a week away, uh, mm-hmm. which means teams are starting to lock in their draft boards in preparation for what's going to maybe be a wild night. We're going to talk about it. So yeah. the mocks are coming fast and furious. You know, I'm trying yeah. to keep up here. We got ESPN dropping them. You got the ringer. And now yours, John. It's up on The Athletic. I encourage everybody, all of our listeners, to go read it, and I know they will. You wrote that you made your calls and you read the interwebs, and you searched for other tea leaves to help you construct this thing, what might happen on November 18th? You've got your top three of LaMelo to the Wolves, James Wiseman to the Warriors, and Anthony Edwards to Charlotte. How confident are you feeling with your mock this year, now that it's published? And I guess the follow-up is, like, how difficult was it to write this one, considering, you know, this insane offseason in the middle of a pandemic? Yeah, it, this was a hard year to do it. I mean, we've done this. We did this internally with the Grizzlies, and there were a couple years that we had almost the entire top twenty, like pretty much pretty chalky on draft night. Wow! And this wasn't the case at all this year. Uh, and like I, I, so I would say a lower degree of confidence. You know, as as I look at it, I do think I do think Ball, Wiseman, Edwards is probably your top three. I mean, I think Tyrese Halliburton is maybe the one guy who has a chance to sneak in there. Mm-hmm. Um, but then there's a lot of trade action. You know, it, this is unusual because you have teams at the top looking to trade out or trade down, which is atypical. And so there's there's a lot of variables there that can affect what happens afterward. And then there's not a clear consensus really from about four to 11, it's kind of this soup of the same guys that teams have roughly even on draft boards. And it's more personal preference on a mm-hmm. lot of these guys. So so it is a pretty difficult draft to forecast. And that's definitely the vibe I got talking to other people, too, that they did, they felt unsure that they didn't really know um, how this was going to play out. So I think it's going to be one of those drafts. Um, 
like the one we had. I mean, obviously, everyone brings up the Anthony Bennett uh, draft as the main example in 2013. Uh, but we had a draft a few years later where uh, I think it was 17, where after Thon Maker went with the 10th pick, it was just nuts after that. Like everything <laughs> was just like out of left field. And, and I, so we could definitely have one of those nights again. Is it hilarious when, like, because you spent seven seasons there as the Grizzlies vice president of basketball operations, like, take us inside, like, the war room or whatever you guys call it. Is it pretty funny? Like, there are years, like you said, where you're like, okay, we figured that, we figured that, we figured that, sort of chalk. But then, yeah, there are these insane years where you're like, what is going on? Are, like, people throwing papers in the air and freaking out? Well, it's it's funny because it's... So what we're doing is a little bit like what everyone else is doing. Because if you think about it, you're, you're usually only picking once out of 30. And there's five minutes between every pick. So, yeah, you're making your calls about potential trades and whatnot. But there's only so many of those you're going to be making on draft night. Right. Uh, you, you've made a ton of calls leading up to draft night. But then on the actual draft night itself, the, it, the volume actually goes down because you sort of know what can be done or not. So you're basically just calling teams back and being like, okay, this thing we talked about, we're in or we're out. And so so it's a, it's like 10 dudes sitting there watching the draft on TV, basically, for a lot of the night. No, it's really what it is, especially in the first round. And, uh, and, and so, like, yeah, there's a lot. Like when Anthony Bennett got picked, you know, there's just like all of us around a table going like, whoa! You know? <laughs> and, uh, Who would be the pick at number one this yeah. year that would be the Anthony Bennett that would kind of blow everybody's mind? Uh, probably Halliburton, I would say. Yeah, okay, like okay. if the Wolves took Halliburton number one, that, that would definitely <laughs> blow everyone's mind. Yeah. Sure, sure. Do you think this is, uh, you know, a... Uh, um, a top three type of draft like it's just a three-player guy and then like you said the rest of them are all maybe good potential role players who knows you might have a star within that mix from four onward but like are you locked in and i know trades come into play here whoever's drafting but like is it mellow wiseman and ball and edwards in some order in that top three i'm pretty sure yeah yeah you and, think so you know and you can debate whether it's a three-player draft or a zero-player draft that's, that's some people have argued to me <laughs> Because the top of this draft, I think, is not as strong as the last couple. Yeah. Uh, you know, Zion Williamson or John Morant definitely would be the number one pick in this draft. I think there are probably five players from the 2018 draft who would be the number one pick in this draft. So uh, probably not as strong at the top is mm-hmm. the perception around the league. At what point uh, did LaMelo Ball sneak into the number one spot for you? Because you've been tracking this for several months, just, you know, doing your uh, your due diligence but to me, as an outsider, it seems like LaMelo Ball was in that three, four, five, six category. Like he wasn't even in that uh, that definite top three. He hasn't played basketball in a long time, but somehow he got into that number one spot. How, when did that happen? Uh, probably a gradual evolution. Uh, you know, I think coming into the season, the perception was that Edwards and Wiseman were the top two. And neither of them really blew anybody away. So I think that created the opening for LaMelo Ball to leapfrog them. And then his season in Australia, even though it had warts, he showed so much raw talent in what he did that that made it easier for evaluators to vault him ahead of Edwards and Wiseman. Oh, that's a crazy, it's a crazy uh, dichotomy you got here three-player draft or a zero-player draft it, it, it is bonkers because we, we talked to liam santamaria uh an nbl uh, nbl broadcaster in australia about mellow ball and uh he can go either way he was going either way he, he saw him up close and personal he could go 
Magic Johnson slash Jason Kidd comparisons blow, blew us away <laughs> yeah. to uh, yeah. uh, who the heck knows? Uh, really, who Lonzo Ball knows? comparisons. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Leangelo. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right? <laughs> yeah, he's. I, I struggle. I mean, again, we are not draft experts. Reason why we got you on here today and why we're talk, talking to someone in the next couple of weeks. Um, I watched a lot of LaMelo, of course, because he's the intriguing name and, you know, the family yeah. and all that. And I, you see the passes, and you are like, wow, that's pretty special to have a feel for, for the game like that. But there are so many times where I'm just like, I don't see it. I don't get it. I, I'm like a number one pick. And mm-hmm. then especially considering the team, like, yeah, now are the Wolves going to take a guy like that when you have D'Angelo Russell, too? And you made it clear, this, these weren't like your personal rankings, like your ratings. These were who you expect the teams to draft, right? You yeah. know, Not yeah. what you would do, not what John Hollinger would do if he was in the front sure. office, but what you expect they to do. But like... Let's talk about, you know, Ball, like, if you were with them in the Wolves front office, like, are you like, I guess we go with him because the potential is there? Are you concerned about, you know, we hear all these things about, well, he's not knocking his interviews out of the park, too. Like, mm-hmm. well, what would you do? What would you say? What would be your input? Well, so here, here's the thing. Like, these other guys all have warts, too, right? Right, like, right. Like, Anthony Edwards scares the crap out of people, okay? Because mm-hmm. he had, because of the warts... He showed uh, as a player, you know, kind of the indifference on defense and the jumper's still shaky. And does he really have good feel for the game or not? Um, so I, I, th- I think there's things about him that scare people. You're not going to draft Wiseman and play him with Towns. Uh, so especially the way the game is going. So I, I don't really see that one happening. And at the end of the day, I think you're asking yourself, is D'Angelo Russell like so awesome that you're going to, you're going to maybe pass on a high level talent just because he, their positions overlap somewhat. Right. Probably not. Uh, So, and and at the end of the day, I do think, I do think ball and Russell can play together. If at least one of them tries on defense. (laughs) (laughs) Hasn't that been the case for the Timberwolves the past five years, they can play defense if they decide to try. I don't know if bringing in LaMelo helps, but, uh, somebody in the stream team is saying, would there be any hesitancy from the Wolves to look at Anthony Edwards, considering what they just went through with uh, Andrew Wiggins? Are they similar sort of players where they could? They I compare, are I compare marbles, Edwards to right? Wiggins all the time. So for, for me, it would be hilarious if Edwards ended up there. <laughs> uh, probably not as much for Wolves fans. I don't know. But uh, yeah, that it's an interesting comparison because just his motor doesn't run that hot. And it's the same kind of thing where you can see the talent, but sometimes you're just like, dude, like, come on. <laughs> and and uh, so I, I think it's, I think that's really interesting after what they went through with him. I, you know, I would say, you know, you could still probably pick him, but maybe don't give him a max extension after four years. He's not panning out. <laughs> right, right, what right. What if he promises to get better? <laughs> yeah, you know, that changes everything. Yeah. Well, speaking of the, the mechanics of everything and, and the timeline here that we have this sort of truncated period, and there aren't great fits for the Wolves at, at number one. Do you think this is sort of going to be like the presidential election where it feels like the drama's on draft day? But really, what matters are the few days after and the weeks after where we could see more trades just because of how short things have, you know, ha- have happened. I actually think here. you're going to see a lot of trading uh, the day before and day of draft to set people up for free agency. Um, so I actually, I actually think that's where you could see a lot of trade action happen and the draft may be sort of secondary to that. In other words, like 
Yeah, the 37th pick got traded, but it was just like a throw-in as part of this bigger trade where, you know, two big contracts were exchanged. Uh, so I I definitely think, uh, even, even though it's it's uh, it's kind of being to set up the next step, uh, I, mm-hmm. I do think draft night trades uh, are going are gonna to be a thing. I saw the ringer ask this question I thought it was interesting. I wanted to throw it at you, John. Does it make sense in this draft to take a bigger gamble because there's so much uncertainty across all of these guys as we're going through, especially, you know, at the top of the leaderboard here, at the top of the big board. Um, do you think there's some truth to that? You know, it's like, why not? I mean, it's like, we're not, we're not convinced about any of these guys. So well, let's, I let's mean, get if the crazy. Upside, if the upside is there, sure. I mean, that's my argument for Pokusevsky, the, uh, you know, yeah. the, the mystery meat who's playing in Greece right now against dudes like you and me. Um, <laughs> but, He's built uh, like I mean, skeets, actually. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 I got a little weight on that guy. <laughs> and so, you know, the, but my argument, like I had, I forget where I had him. I had him like 13th on my board. And my basic argument was at this point, why not? Like he's, he's clearly got some upside. It might be a horrific failure, but um, there, there's just not a lot left on the board at that point. Why, why not take the risk? And I think it was like, you know, it was the Bucks logic when they made the honest pick. Right. Uh, in, you know, late lottery. And uh, uh, when Utah took Rudy Gobert much later in that draft, so I think there's a case to be made for that. Now, you still have to weigh the the risk versus the reward, right? There needs to be some, like, high-level upside payoff to doing this. So, you know, don't just take some random guy from Piedmont Community College because, you know, <laughs> hey, why not, right? <laughs> yeah, I saw him hit three shots in a row once. Yeah, you never exactly. know. He may he never miss. looked pretty good over in the park the other day. Yeah, on that front, do you ever just try and sneak a guy's name into, the like, the 27th spot? Just, just you know, some random name in there? Because will anyone really notice, if, especially if you're going down the board? Oh, like a like a made up European name. Yeah, exactly. Just like slip it into the mock draft just to see, get people like, what? Wait a minute. <laughs> people, the teams calling their scouts. What do we know about this guy? Yeah, yeah. or just to test the athletic editors too. You know, see if they're awake at <laughs> the wheel there. Uh, who is that guy? Let, let, let's talk trades because this does make this draft really confusing as we're talking about here. Because you say like some of these top teams, the Wolves, the Warriors, they may want to move down. They may, may want to get out of there. Which teams below them, obviously, do you think might be most likely to try and trade up? Is there one that makes sense, be it a Pistons or a, or a Celtics doing a package? Like, what do you think, John? The problem is finding teams that are genuinely excited to move up. Okay. So I, I think the Knicks would like to move up and get LaMelo Ball if they can. Um, okay. There's been some talk about the Pistons doing that, um, although they seem pretty locked in on Patrick Williams. Um Chicago at four is a little interesting to me that they could maybe do a deal to move up to two or one and get LaMelo Ball. Um, but I, I, I just don't know at the end of the day if that's really the, in their organizational DNA to, to take a swing like that. Um, right. uh, Charlotte going from three to one to take Wiseman is probably the one uh, that I think is a little more likely. Um, again, Charlotte's been pretty conservative, though, as far as uh, taking swings like that. So uh, I would still say maybe it's more like 40-60. Okay. Let's call it that, that something like that happens. But I do think like if, if they want Wiseman, I think Golden State probably takes him at two. So if they want to get him, they, they probably need to leapfrog. 
Oh, interesting. So like something similar to what we saw back in the day with the Celtics and the Sixers. Yeah, it would be exactly that kind of deal. Right, yeah. right, right. Yeah. And because they're, they're in love with him. Ex- yeah. Except hopefully it would turn out better for Charlotte. <laughs> yeah, sure. You would hope so. And that's not a guarantee by any means. You said the Warriors, you think if they're there at two, they don't trade out that they go with Wiseman. What, yeah. What's your thinking with that? It uh, it just makes the most sense for their short term and their long term. Um, he's... I think he still has a lot of trade value because a lot of people are intrigued by his size and his movement and whatever. Um, and then in the short term, obviously, he gives them a legitimate center, which they don't they don't really exactly have that right now. I mean, you know, Draymond's undersized and Marquise Chris isn't like, I think he's more of a four than a five. So uh, Kevon Looney's injured all the time. I mean, they, they don't really have that guy at the five right now. So I, I could definitely see them going in that direction. A lot of the talk with Wiseman and the Warriors has been that if he's ready to just be a rim runner and a dunker and a shot blocker and a rebounder, he would be a perfect fit for them. How hard is that to convince a guy who's going to be the number two pick in the draft at 19, 20 years old to fall into being a role player when he's likely been a star for the entirety of his life? Yeah, uh, that's, I mean, he's... He's not going to get the ball many other ways. So he sort of <laughs> has to. I mean, it's actually easier with a big than it is with a guard because it's like if it's the only way you're going to get the ball, then then that's then that's kind of what you're going to do. I I do question whether he's whether he can rebound at a high level. I mean, he's never really shown that part of his game, uh, even though he has the the size and and the ability to get up and down the court. So th- that'll be interesting to see at what level he he actually can operate as a rebounder. He can certainly be a rim runner for him. He does tend to like to fade away from the basket and shoot jump shots, and it's a little frustrating at times. So uh, that that's going to be an interesting uh, thing to see develop uh, wherever he ends up. Yeah, it's so strange with these top three guys. Everything I read and hearing you, like, no one seems excited about any of them, really. Exactly. Like, well, exactly. Because, like, yeah, that's why these teams at the top are talking about trading down, and that's why the teams they talked to about trading down are like, yeah, we're, we'll get back to you on that. You know, right, nobody, right? Nobody's like super excited about moving up, um, with the exception of maybe Boston, who is more from a, from a perspective of like, we got these three picks, we don't have any roster spots, we'd like to, you know, upgrade them if we can. So. It's uh, I I think because of that, like there's going to be a lot of conversations. I just question how many of these picks will actually get traded at the end of the day because there's so many more sellers than buyers. Right. You, I'm sure, are looking at other mock drafts again. You know, uh, other publications, other companies, and stuff like that. You're seeing like sort of where you are falling in line with. Is there a surprise when you're reading these other ones that like you know that is totally you're like what compared to yours like what was the big one you're like i just don't see it in this kid or they have him so high going to this team that you're like i don't get it or sort of vice versa where you're like they're sleeping on this kid maybe uh orlando a little bit like i I think you know orlando has always drafted uh length over skill in the past but I i think they've gone so far in that direction the last three four drafts that they they, they literally don't have room for another guy like that. Like people talk about Jaden McDaniels um, with Orlando, but if you look at the, if you already have Chuma Okiki from last year, if you already signed out Farouk Aminu, if you already have Aaron Gordon, if you already drafted, um, there's one other guy. Jonathan Isaac, I guess. Jonathan Isaac, yeah. thank you. 
there, there's just no room for another guy like that. And right. they're desperate for shooting and offensive skills. So, I mean, to me, if Aaron Nesmith or Sadiq Bey is there when they pick, they, they got to go in that direction, even though it's not. it goes against their type a little bit. Andrew Nicholson could be there. I don't even know. They, <laughs> Andrew, their their Andrew, roster is Andrew. so deep. There's just so many you gotta, names you out got to throw in for the Canadian. Right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Snuck them in there. You, you wrote when talking about the Blazers in your mock draft, John, uh, quote, I've heard some wild stuff here. I mean, yeah. like wild stuff, but I'm yeah. not sure how much of it to believe. <laughs> Give us the scoop. Give us I, the I just had multiple people tell me like the, the Blazers are looking at people that you would never expect to go with the 16th pick. And, oh, okay. Like, and that could completely rock the apple cart for the rest of the draft. Okay, so it's not the the idea of maybe of like, oh, the Blazers are going to package uh, Zach Collins and their pick, and they're moving up to one or two. It's more like they're no, picking somebody like that you're not that ready That guy with. from Piedmont Community College might actually <laughs> wow. be the 16th pick. Wow. Yeah. That's okay. where Lee is right now. He's doing an interview. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, shooting. sorry, man. The only time they can do it was during our recording. <laughs> <laughs> we need shooting on the wing. Oh, my God. I want the wild stuff to mean the Blazers draft <laughs> Lee Ellis set, though. Yeah. Whatever it is, they got that pick there. That would be incredible yeah this is this is gonna be such a fascinating fascinating draft um it's like are you almost excited that you're not involved with the team in this one uh john because it is so weird yeah a little bit i mean i tell you from the front office perspective the draft is a lot more fun than free agency um the the draft is it's almost a little like christmas right you you know you're getting a present right you know you're getting something (laughs) and uh and there's (laughs) Like on the actual day of the draft, there's there's just like there's actually like I was talking about, there's actually like kind of a lot of downtown where you're just like shooting spitballs at the at the <laughs> at the TV and watching the draft with everybody else. It's, it's fun. Uh, whereas free agency is completely nerve wracking, and I don't miss that at all. Uh, um, so I, I would say draft night in a war room is actually great fun. Except you know I remember the Christmas I thought I was getting a great toy and I got boots. <laughs> I remember it to this day. I got boots. That was my big Christmas gift that year. Well, being in Atlanta means you'll never get boots for Christmas. That's right. That's why I moved here. I didn't want boots. So let me spin that into a question. Who's the boots of this draft? Oh, man. <laughs> yeah, like, who are you? I guess you do sound pretty low on Anthony Edwards. You're, you're not all that enamored. So I actually, I actually put Edwards second on my board because I just think the upside is there. Um I'm, I actually am not crazy about Wiseman just because, I, you know, the league is just going so far away from his player type. Sure. Um, and there, and there's just enough enough questions about watching him. You know, when I, when I watched him play, you know, he played a couple games for for Memphis, and like he's not a dominating rebounder. Like he he can be kind of soft at times. I, I just I. I I can see where the where people see the upside with him. I just I, like physically and in some of how he plays, he reminds me a lot of Hassan Whiteside, which is still like a good player, but uh, I don't know. <laughs> I, I, yeah. I, so I'm a number two type. Yeah, yeah. so I have a hard time getting really you know riled up about him. And then uh, I would say like further down, uh, Jaden McDaniels, um, like watching him at Washington this year, like he he wasn't good. He just wasn't and. Uh, I think some people see his body and kind of project out and think, you know, I think he still could have a lot of potential and turn into a player. And I I just question how much is really there to work with. Mm, interesting. Which one are you most confident about with your with your big board here? Like, 
where the team and the player it just makes the most sense in like if you're a betting there's, man you're like I'm putting money on it there's so much talk about Patrick Williams being Detroit's pick at 7 uh, yeah so so t- talk me through that I mean I'm an idiot with this stuff like why him what's he bring to the table why are the Pistons in love with him so he um forward who played for Florida State this year he actually came off the bench he was the youngest player in college basketball I believe or if he wasn't the youngest player in college basketball he's the youngest college prospect in this mm-hmm. draft definitely um so still a lot of room to grow uh six eight uh plays either forward spot pretty decent shooter can put it on the floor a little um pretty good defensive metrics uh i think there's some question about whether he can defend on the perimeter or not but you know overall like definitely a pretty alluring prospect but also just kind of fits into the way uh Detroit is drafted and fits into the way Troy Reaver drafted when he was in Oklahoma City. Right. And just in having conversations with other people around the league, that was the one consistent thing that everyone's like, because Patrick Williams was kind of perceived as a guy who would maybe go in the early teens. Mm -hmm. And so the two things everyone said, one, Patrick Williams is moving up. And then two, like, oh, yeah, I've heard Detroit and Patrick Williams. Oh, yeah. And like that's like loud, clear drumbeat there. Okay. All right. So if he is still there, I guess, what do they have? The seventh pick? Is that right? They have the that... seventh pick. Yeah. I think there's a pretty good chance he's there. I don't really see Atlanta taking him at six. I suppose the Hawks could trade that pick. But again, there's more sellers than buyers. I, I just don't know what they're trading it for that that that, that really pushes them to do that. So I, I think at the end of the day, he probably is there at seven. And if so, I expect Detroit to take him. Something that came up a couple of times in your mock draft is sort of the concept of GMs having a type. Like you're mentioning Troy Weaver when he was with the Thunder, they would always get defensive guys who maybe couldn't play as much on the offensive side of the ball. Same with the long guys for John Hammond, who's now with the Magic, used to be with the Bucks. Is that something that you're constantly aware of when you're in the draft room of having a type and maybe other teams knowing you have a type and trying to play against that? Or is that something you lean into? Uh, I'm not sure. I'm trying to, I don't know if we were perceived as having a type. I think people were, I think people were confused with us because, you know, I came from the analytics background and then Chris Wallace, who was there my last five years came from a completely different background. So I think people didn't know what we were going to do because of that. Uh, <laughs> Keep them guessing. So that, that was a little helpful, I guess. Um, but, uh, I, I do think with some teams, you, you sort of know what their tendencies are and that helps you maybe get a little bit of a read on what they might do. Um, and, you know, I tried to I tried to bring that into, into my mock draft, too. I mean, this is certainly the type of thinking we, we would do internally when we're trying to scheme out what, what might happen on draft night. Makes sense. Another sort of type thing that I thought was funny was predicting Tyrese Halliburton to the Bulls. Yeah. Everybody who's a Bulls fan knows about the Iowa State to Chicago connection. It seemed to be over. After uh, the fake offseason we had here, but what do you know? The Bulls finally move up in the draft. They're not picking seventh anymore. They're picking fourth in a three-player draft, and we're getting another Iowa State guy. Should I be excited? You should. I really like Halliburton. I think he's good. Um, He can shoot. He's a good passer, active defender, good in transition, can play off the ball, uh, can play either guard spot. Uh, I think he's going to be a good, I, I don't think he's going to be like an all-star cause I don't think he has quite enough shot creation ability to get to that level, but I think he's going to be a really good, uh, like positive starting player for a long time. Uh, so I'd, I'd be pretty excited if I was the Bulls. 
Well, John, you're obviously a big basketball fan. I know you're a, a soccer fan, football. You love the beautiful game. Are you a Timbers fan? Is that right? Portland Timbers, yes. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. How, how are they doing quickly? They are the third seed in the West heading oh. into the playoffs here. So, so yeah, I don't know if they're going to be able to, uh, you know, they made the uh, cup final uh, against Atlanta, I think it was two years ago. Right. Uh, but I don't, I don't know if they're going to be able to get back to there because they've had too many injuries now. Are you? Uh, but they they won the MLS's back tournament though. Oh, okay. Look. And they're the only team that's ever won it. Oh, there you go. <laughs> well, are you a golf fan? Also, no. John. No, you're not a golf fan. Well, that's it's, unfortunate because I'm setting a... up for an ad read here. Uh-huh. <laughs> Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24/7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep. You heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Not a golfer, John, at all. Nah, I just never got into it. Uh, no? Putt-putt's all right. I, okay, yeah. <laughs> okay. You're not bad at all. Actually, off yeah. the, through Maybe. the windmill. Yeah, exactly. Okay. You know, get it into the clown's mouth on 18 and free pizza. Yeah, I'm thinking about that. <laughs> I actually thought, like, being in a front office, I don't know why, like, you'd have to take up golf because you'd have to get out there on the course and talk trades and whatever. But I guess not. No, nobody has any time for golf. Oh, <laughs> uh, Doc Rivers, draft, that's all he does. During I draft season or, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, actually, it's the. Um, the coaches and the personnel who who travel with the team, they actually have a lot more time uh, for golf because they're doing so much of what they do at night. So they, right. there's definitely the time, you know, okay, <laughs> you squeeze this in between shoot around in the game or before shoot around or whatever. I don't know. But not you. They're on the road anyway, you know, like, all yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, they're living it up. We got an off day in Phoenix. Okay, let's cool. Let's play 18. But yeah, not on the front office side, not so much. Well, let's go through some more names here uh, in your draft, uh, in your mock draft. We talked a lot about Lamelo and Edwards and Wiseman, and a lot of people have. Some other names, though. Maybe you could talk about strengths, weaknesses, even NBA comparisons if you want. Killian Hayes is a Uh great name, first off. Uh, Just an awesome NBA name, Killian. I think there's another Killian, too, out there. Killian Uh, Tilly from Gonzaga. Could work his way into the end of the first round. Probably goes in the second. Uh, But he's... He's interesting, too. I've never heard the name Killian, and finally we're going to have two here suddenly in an NBA draft. And they're both from France. It's amazing. (laughs) It must be a popular name there. So Killian Hayes, I mean, yeah, you said he's the higher one. What what should people know about him or what you like or dislike? And again, NBA comps, where you see him going, where you have him. Yeah, so he's um, uh, he's a French teenager um, who played in Germany this year. very, very good uh, on the ball, uh, good handle, especially with his left hand. Really good footwork for getting to floaters and step backs and whatnot. Uh, good size, probably like 6'4", 6'5". Uh, pretty good defender. Uh, not like athletically explosive, though. Mm. Uh, and at this point, not a good long-range shooter. He's a very good foul shooter, uh, but has struggled from the three-point line. 
so a lot of different opinions you hear on him. Some think he's way too left-hand dominant, uh, that people take away his strong hand. It's really easy to defend him. Uh, some people are worried that he's not an elite athlete and how he's going to you know, finish in the paint over length when he's playing against NBA athletes instead of the... I mean, G- Germany's like a decent league, but yeah. it's, you know, it's definitely a step up going to the NBA from there. Uh, and then other people compare him to, I've heard comparisons to Jamal Murray, like for the kind of the, the footwork he has to get into these off the dribble shots, um, uh, evokes some, some comparisons to him. He's also a really good passer. Yeah. Uh, so he can be like that lead ball handler, even though he's maybe guarding the other teams too. Uh, so I, there's a wide variety of opinions on him. Uh, I, he's definitely going to go in the lottery. Uh, I'm curious to see where exactly that is. Uh, you, you hear Phoenix at 10. You hear the Knicks at 8. Uh, you hear even Detroit at 7 if they don't do Patrick Williams. So uh, interested to see where he ends up and interested to see what he looks like in an NBA game. You mentioned Jamal Murray as a comparison which i think is a little more fair because of the left-handed nature he's obviously getting harden and ginobili comparisons as well those guys are hall of famers um you mentioned the left-hand dominant factor how big of a deal is that for an nba player you had a left-hand dominant player down there in memphis zach randolph he seemed to be okay getting to his left every single time he needed to yeah although i mean he wasn't playing point guard true it's probably a little different uh (laughs) Uh, you know, the, the comparison I always make is like John Stockton played 20 years and dribbled maybe four times with his left hand that, <laughs> in, in that whole career. So like if you if, if you just have enough of a counter that they have to honor it, then then you're probably going to be mostly OK. But uh, it, it's definitely a concern among among people who watched him and felt like he didn't deal great with with ball pressure and, and opponents who overplayed his left. So and again, at his age, I mean, it's not like you're talking about like, well, he's 25 and he is what he is. He has no right hand. Like yeah. he, he's young enough to develop that in his game too. So you have to think about that. that that's interesting. Like when when you're drafting these guys, um, nobody's, I mean, there are, I guess, a handful of them that are perfect and they have very little holes in their game. But for the most part, there is something like, oh, could be a better defender. Ah, uh, you know, could be a better shooter, could have a better handle, stuff like that. When you were with the Grizzlies uh, or even your opinion now, which skill set that might be lacking are you most confident you can build up in a guy? And, and then maybe the, the flip side of that is like, if they don't got that, then I don't know if they're ever going to have that. Is there, yeah. you know, do you know what I mean? Does that make sense? Yeah, I would say uh, strength, uh, which you know you can build up in the weight room. Um, right. And shooting ability, um, which is go is not perfectly solvable but generally guys do get better in that area over the course of their careers now i'm not you know i'm not saying draft somebody who's a total brick mason and think he's going to turn into reggie miller but you know they they they, prog- they generally progress right 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 so so those are the ones that you worry about less i mean height you're not fixing right <laughs> like that that, that that you're probably stuck with unless you, you luck out into the you know Maybe the guy's 18 and grows another inch. After, after like Giannis, Giannis is still growing, yeah. isn't he? He's adding yeah. an inch every year. Yeah, Giannis is still growing. I'm pretty yeah. sure Jaron grew a little after we drafted him in Memphis. Right. Um, so you can get that a little bit. Um, uh, I would say ball handling ability is tough. Um, usually guys who who don't really have that creative ability on the ball, sometimes they develop it, but it's kind of uncommon. 
Mm. And uh, so, so that's a tougher one to bank on. Uh, and leaping ability, I think you're basically stuck with. Um, <laughs> trainers will tell you that they can improve a guy's vertical. But I've, I, I struggle to come up with real life examples. Right, you're skeptical <laughs> with that. Yeah, I don't know, John. I've been speaking with some Instagram guys. I used to only be able to get my first knuckle above the rim. Now I can get all the way to the second knuckle. <laughs> yeah, is, it, is that the the Nerf rim or? <laughs> oh yeah, I am lowering the hoop as well. Yeah, we're talking about a seven foot hoop here. He's lowering it down. It's not crazy, you know, because like this comes up with ball a lot. These interviews and Edwards, I guess too. How much stock did you put into like when you talked to them? And I guess now they're doing the Zoom meetings and stuff. Like, like, yeah, you know, some I, like some of the kids are maybe nervous. They're maybe they're just not all that charismatic. Like, was that important to you guys? So uh, yeah, so the way it always worked at the draft combine, it's a little different this year. But the 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 combine would it was almost like speed dating, and you'd have these forty five minute time blocks where they'd come into your you, like every team would have a different hotel room on the same floor, right? And the player the player would come in, sit down with you for forty five minutes, and then you'd just go on to the next room. Uh, so. It's a contrived situation is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. And and so it doesn't lend itself well to really getting to know somebody. I mean, you, you, there are things you can do, but uh, I've, I've often thought that that uh, can create, can do as much to mislead you as it can to lead you in the right direction. The The thing that really has, has a lot of weight or should have a lot of weight is not the interview directly with the player, but all the conversations you have with the people around the player and doing your backroom background research right? right 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 if you if you're visiting the school during the season and spending time around the program if you're talking to all the people who had coached him or who had been with him in the past if you talk to the agents who recruited him and didn't get him <laughs> right yeah. you know, it, it can be a little dodgy you know they some of them have some maybe venom but uh it, you, but from that, you get a picture, right? If you talk to 20 people and all 20 of them are like, this guy is bad news, like you, <laughs> you don't need to do the interview in some yeah. ways, right? Like you yeah. already know. And uh, and conversely, right? Like when, when you get glowing reviews from everybody you talk to about a guy, you sort of know going into that interview that, you know, maybe if he's, I don't know, maybe it was just like a little, you know, awkward or whatever, or he's nervous yeah. or whatever. You're just like, okay, well, literally every person I know and trust said, this kid is great. So right. we'll, that, we'll that seems that. like Tyrese Halliburton at this point, right? Yeah. I mean, the, the guys who get, who get the glowingest reviews probably like on all the background reports would be Halliburton, uh, Desmond Bain from TCU and Isaiah Stewart from Washington. There you go. So those are like no brainers. Like you're just going to be able to plug them in and you know, they're going to work hard. It's like, yeah, that's the hope, right? I mean, like I've, but you know, I've gotten great background on guys and had great interviews with them. And the one fly in the ointment was that they weren't that good at basketball. <laughs> so you, you have to sort of remember to keep this in perspective, right? Like it's a talent business at the end of the day. It's <laughs> a fair point. Yeah. I mean, it does help Malcolm Brogdon. Awesome guy. Also pretty good at basketball. It's yeah. uh, you yeah. need to sort of have a little bit and of that as when went to the finest university in, in <laughs> right. all the land. As yeah, well. also smarter than everybody in the room, will be the mm -hmm. president one day. That's his, in fact, it's his nickname and he's still like in his 20s. Yeah, that's a good sign too. Uh, yeah, that's, I'm always fascinated by that because he keeps seeing these things with LaMelo uh, that people are just like, you know, He's aloof, I guess. He's not like again. He's not charismatic. Whatever. And I and I think I saw. I think it was John Krasinski. I just tweeted it out. Actually, he was off of your mock draft. You know, talking about what the Wolves were going to do. Yeah. Uh, as you had him taking Lamelo, and I thought he did have an interesting point of like, if this is your lead guy, if this is your point guard. Mm -hmm. I mean, 
you may want that position to be your your vocal leader, right? Like the guy that is, uh, you know, in the ear of all the guys, everybody on the same page. And if he's not that, if he's a very quiet kid or he just doesn't have that in his DNA, then maybe that is a concern. And I think, mm-hmm. I personally think there's some truth to that. Maybe I'm yeah. wrong. Yeah. yeah. Just, you know, who, who are you taking ahead of him that you're in love with? Well, yeah, <laughs> you keep draft. coming back to that. You're like, uh, yeah, Lamelo's not that great, Skeets, but uh, everybody after him is not all that amazing either. So, yeah, we will see. Uh, a couple other names. Tass, uh, I mean, I don't even know if we need to ask Hollinger because your uh, in-laws know everything about the Israeli kid, <laughs> uh, Denny Avdia. But, John, what's your opinion on him? Because I've seen people have him very, very high and, yeah. and sort of all over the board as well. What do you think? I mean, I do think he'll go high. Uh, I, I wasn't as excited about him as some other people um i i think his shooting is still a question and then positionally i i still see him as more four than three i know he can do some stuff on the ball he reminds me a lot of dario Saric when i watched him in europe i think he's got a little more uh bounciness and quickness to him probably than than sarge did at the same age but he's probably a worse shooter and so i i i just I just question a little whether he's he's more like a role player at the end of the day. That said, there are some people I talk to that really like him and mm-hmm. and think he does have a lot of upside um, and think he can be like that big ball handling wing that everyone's looking for. So I, because of that, I mean, I think he's definitely going to go in like the top, say, eight players. Uh, you hear Cleveland a lot with him. Uh, you hear Chicago at four, although I think that's more speculation based on like Arturis Karnishevis in Denver, they've drafted a bunch of international guys. So everyone's like, well, Abdi is international. Like maybe they'll draft him. <laughs> right. Uh, but uh, they, definitely a lot of uh, talk about Avdia to Cleveland at five. I have Obi Toppin going there uh, in my mock, but uh, it was like, it's like Toppin or Avdia in Cleveland is, mm. is what everyone's hearing. Yeah, Toppin, I think, is a local guy as well. He went to Dayton, right? He seems to be one of the guys that would be easily plugged in, but the concern with him is he's an old man at, what, 22 years old? This guy's past his prime. He also has, um, what, the Jerry Krause no-neck approach, right? When I look at him, it looks like he's always shrugging, which I guess is good because you're not wasting your height. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. it's a good spin. Yeah, get those shoulders higher. Yeah. Deflect more passes. How do you feel about Obi Toppin, though? Is he going to be a guy who's going to be productive immediately? I think he's an awesome offensive player. There are questions about him at the defensive end. Uh, I really like his outside shot. I think he's going to be able to pick and pop for threes right away. I think he can rim run and dunk. I think he can run the floor. I think he's a pretty good passer off the block. I think he can post up mismatches. There's a lot to like there offensively. Uh, Defensively, uh yeah yeah it's it's probably not great i mean he's he's undersized for the five doesn't move that well on the on the perimeter but he can he can get up off the floor and so what what you saw him do sometimes was get beat off the drive but then get back in the play to block the shot um i i think he's gonna be okay enough there that he'll be able to keep on the floor for his offense the the fit in cleveland is a little wonky because they have kevin love Larry Nance, uh, Andre Drummond, and maybe Tristan Thompson, too. We'll see if he comes back. Mm-hmm. So there's just a lot of bigs there already. I think if they traded one of them, uh, it would probably be easier to open the floor for, for Toppin. And honestly, I mean, I think they would probably have to do the same thing with Avdia. I still think he's more four than three at the end of the day. Uh, so either, either way there, I, I wonder what's going to happen in that Cleveland front court. 
uh, if they if they draft either of those guys. Do you have a favorite trade like in your mind um, that you could that you'd like to see happen? I guess uh, either day before or on on draft night. Yeah, I mean, there's a couple that that are really interesting. To oh yeah, me. let's go through. Uh, them. People love trade right. talk. Uh, like what about Wendell Carter in the fourth pick to Golden State for the second pick? Uh, if if you're the Bulls and Lamelo Ball is not the first pick, do you move up to two trade Carter? Uh, if you if you're Golden State, then you can move back to four. You get a big in Carter, but then you can move back to four and take uh, Halliburton or Avdia, one or the other. Golden State's been rumored to like both of them, uh, so that's an interesting one to me. Okay, uh, hold on. Let's ask the Bulls fan, Trey Kirby. What do you what do you think? You loving this idea? I love it. Oh, wow. I'm a All huge right. Lamelo Ball lever. But okay. I'm honestly, if you tell me a guy is six foot five and he can pass, I'm a hundred percent in. I'm like, this guy at the worst, he's the next Sean Livingston. And I don't think that there's necessarily a Bulls backcourt guy that couldn't be superseded by Lamelo. You know, Zach Levine is the DeRozan of the Bulls. The best they're going to get from him is a trade piece somewhere down the line. I would be a little hesitant to give up Carter, but he seems like uh, the kind of player who's going to be very good for a very good team. Maybe not necessarily a rebuilding team since he's such a team player. Yeah, I mean, if, if whatever team he's on, if they if they allow him to actually shoot jump shots, I think that would probably help too this year. Mm-hmm. Um, the, yeah. uh, the you know the, the, there's a lot of Golden State deals we can talk about. Yeah. Uh, there, there's um, there's another trade I really like, which is if Boston turned its 14th pick into Larry Nance. I think he'd really help them. I think he could play the five for them in playoff games. Be switchable. He can kind of sort of make threes. He's a pretty effective rim runner. Uh, just a good team defender, really good passer, knows how to play. Like, he just fits there to me. Uh, they'd have to uh, cobble together some contracts to pull that together. Um, it would help them a lot if Ennis Canner opted in uh, before the draft, which we'll, we'll see if that happens or not, because uh, they sort of need his contract to make something like that work. Uh, but anyway, that, that's the one that gets me excited. Yeah, that's why I saw that one in your article. That's why I wanted to ask that question. That's interesting. So do you think the Celtics will ultimately do something here? Because they have all these first-round They're picks. the team that I would bet most on doing yeah. something. Right. Uh, it may not be have quite as many exclamation points as as the things you know that everyone gets excited talking about. Like, oh, they traded the 26th pick for two future seconds in cash. Like, you know, like something like that, you know? That's what get, uh, that gets Nate Duncan going in the morning, yeah, you know, something yeah. like that. But maybe not the yeah. Yeah, the casual fan, for sure. Yeah, so um, they, it's going to be interesting. I think what they would like to do is package multiple picks into a single higher pick. I think second on their list would be packaging picks and and bad players for a good player or pack, or trading picks this year for future years. Um, I just think it's, like I said, the demand for picks in this draft just isn't that high. Mm-hmm. Um, although I have been getting some vibes, like the the picks they have at 26 and 30 in some ways might have more of a market because teams know they don't they won't cost as much. And teams see it as a relatively flat draft talent-wise. In other words, the guy you get at 10 might not be that different from the guy you get at 40. Right. So there could be some motivation for some of these teams that don't have a pick. Um, you know, for a team like the Clippers or Houston or somebody like that to try to jump in uh, at those at those late spots. So maybe Boston will find a market there. 
Speaking of that, the 30th pick, I know your love for Paul Reed out of DePaul. I'm surprised you didn't sneak him into your mock draft there. Well, like I said, I was basing this off of what I'm hearing, and, and I just had no energy from anywhere that he was going to go in the top 30 picks. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I I had him 12th on my board, I think. Like, I'm a, I'm a big Paul Reed fan, wow. but I, I don't think that's going to happen. I, I, I think he probably ends up going... I'll say 40 to 45. It is absolutely incredible how flat the draft is talent-wise then. As you said, from when you get into double digits to almost the second round, you can sort of pick and choose where guys are yeah, going. Yeah, I think, I think if you go around the league, draft boards, there's going to be a lot of variance between draft boards this year. Whereas some other years, I think, if you went around the league, the top eight players would have been pretty chalky on, right. on teams' draft boards. Not the case this year. So when that Orlando Magic uh, player signed and the board was behind him, they got the photo of that board behind him. Um, usually, in in years past, the Magic would be just it would just be all big guys on that board. But now, it'll be a huge range, and, and I, that would be incredible to be able to see everybody's draft board after the fact, like when it's all done. Why aren't we getting that? Did you right, we, did you guys have one, John, or was it all digital? Like it was, a, it was a Google Doc or something? Like, or did you actually be writing on something? It changed over time because my first couple of years we had an actual we had an actual board with like players' names on magnets, and yeah. then the last few years we we had just had a digital and we had a giant monitor in the draft room. Ah, there you go. Yeah. Oh yeah. man, I, I, the, mag- I, the magnets were more fun though. Yeah, know? for Somebody sure. Was like you know, one of the one of the staffers walks up there, takes the magnet off, and you know, it's just. <laughs> There's there's more like there's more ceremonial hundred like, percent drama with, with the magnetic board. So oh. we got we got to we got to bring those back. How is there um, a lot of truth to next year's draft looking pretty special? I keep seeing that. I don't know how you know how locked in you are on that is but yeah, that is the word on the street. Yeah. I've not seen one of these guys play in an actual basketball game, so okay. it's hard for me to really be like, oh yeah, I agree. You know, <laughs> right? Uh, but you know, hopefully, uh, college season is supposed to start November twenty fifth. If they can figure out a way to play games, which wow. they are still seemingly working on um the acc actually announced his schedule today so that's exciting oh there you um, go but uh you know we'll we'll get a better idea at that point you know we'll see Cade cunningham with oklahoma state we'll see some of these other players uh in, in ncaa games and just get a better idea of of where the talent level at the top of this draft really stands yeah because I, I think i saw or heard someone saying like next year's draft six or seven guys would have been taken number one if they were in like this year's uh 2020 draft so there might be some uh you know some some incredible talent but they always say that i feel like <laughs> yeah a couple of these guys are going to be playing uh for a g league team too so that's right that's a that's a little twist on it too uh yeah nba got tired of having these guys go to australia i guess <laughs> yes yeah oh, yeah here this time yeah i actually saw a, a clip of one of those guys playing uh will be on that G League team uh, who's got hops like Trey Kirby can definitely get those knuckles over the rim. This past <laughs> week, he did a, a Montrose 360. Um, was it uh, a Jaden? A Jaden Smith, was it? I, I don't know. He had a, a monster. Not a Jaden Smith. Not a Will Jayden Smith. Jaden Smith. Smith. <laughs> yeah. Music to hoops. This guy can do it all. Yeah. Just like I, his dad, got a little, triple threat. I got a little bow wow on the brain as well. There's a, <laughs> There's a lot happening here. I wanted to ask you about one more guy, and I know I'll butcher his name, but I got to get okay. some practice going on here. Onyeka Okongwu. 
Oh, I was uh, hoping the name was going to be Trey Jones after. No, that. <laughs> <laughs> no I'll screw that one up as well. Don't worry. Uh, what 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 do you know? What I mean, I see him I, uh, being linked to Charlotte a lot. Yeah, well, he's a great defensive player, I guess. I like Alieko Okongwu a lot. Six um, nine, maybe a little undersized for the five, but long arms, really good rebounder, great hands. The ball, like if he gets his hand on the ball, it just sticks. You oh, know, wow. um, uh, like halfway decent shooter, even though he didn't really play. Uh, on the perimeter a whole lot at USC. Uh, good post player, can score with either hand in the post. Uh, USC, if you watched USC, like they didn't go to him on the block nearly enough, in my opinion. Um, good good defensive player, good feet, can be switchable. Reminds, reminds me a lot of Bam Adebayo, actually, mm. uh, kind of the way he plays. And, uh, I, I mean, to me, I think he should go in the top five, and I think he's probably not going to. I think Washington absolutely has their fingers crossed that he gets to them at nine because mm-hmm. they need a center and they need people who can play defense and he checks both boxes. Uh, so I definitely could see a fit there. Uh, Charlotte at three, maybe. Like Charlotte needs a center too, but they don't need to draft a center necessarily. There's a lot of free agents they could go after. They have cap room. So I could more see Charlotte. Like if it, if it goes Lamelo and Wiseman, one, two, it's easier for me to see Charlotte taking Edwards three than it is for, for me to see them taking Okongwu. Okay. Uh, so uh, I really like him, though. I think he's a really interesting player that's getting a little overlooked in this draft. We're going to uh, take a quick break in one second, our final break, and we got some more questions after that. But one more guy, because I just thought about it when I looked at your mock draft, that I was like, I didn't even know who that was. Like he's felt like he came out of nowhere to me. Again, I'm a very casual college basketball fan, and I'm only following the mock drafts and what mm-hmm. you guys know. But the Knicks pick you had at number eight, them taking Tyrese Maxey. Yeah, like, from was... Kentucky. Yeah, talk to me about him. I honestly like I'd barely seen that name. Uh, so Tyrese Maxey, um, for me, it's a, it's just a bet on the Kentucky connection with the Knicks. Okay. Uh, with William Wesley coming basically from there, uh, even though he wasn't. He wasn't technically employed by the program. I mean, he was, you know, he was Kentucky basketball, uh, you know, for the last decade, basically. And then uh, uh, assistant coach Kenny Payne as well. Mm -hmm. Uh, Maxi is a uh, divisive player among scouts. Some people think he's not that good. Some people are really high on his talent. Um, There's this uh, perception now, I think, especially after what happened in the in the bubble that. you know, that these Kentucky guys a lot of times didn't get to show everything they could do at Kentucky because there was so much other talent. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then they blossom in the NBA. I mean, we've seen, you know, Devin Booker, Bam Adebayo, Tyler Hero, Jamal Murray all play great in the bubble. I think that people kind of overlook the fact that, like, okay, but, like, people thought the same thing with Kevin Knox and James <laughs> Young and, you know, like Malik Monk. Like it, it doesn't always work that way, you know? <laughs> right, right, right. So, um, so trying to slow people's roll a little bit on that. Um, it's interesting because I think if he doesn't go there, he probably goes more like 15 to 25. Oh, wow. Um, but, uh, and, and you, I mean, I, I don't think it's a sure thing that he goes there either because it could be Killian Hayes. And I do think the Knicks are trying to do some trade stuff too. The, you hear a lot of different things uh, about New York, but it just, they, there was enough there to make me wonder. Gotcha. Interesting. All right, let's take one more quick break here. And then again, we got some more questions for John as we wrap this up. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? 
Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service that you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, <laughs> I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shea Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f-ing best. Each week, Shea Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture themed trophies for six basketball related activities. Trophies like the Dominic. Dominic Toretto, I live my life a quarter mile at a time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina Wine Mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. What's your favorite name in this uh, draft class, John? I mean, we've talked about Killian. That's being pretty good. Is there another one? Precious, maybe? Precious Achua is a good name. That's yeah, a good name. That, that's, a good, that's a good name. I was trying to think if there were some, uh, some deep, deep cuts that, uh, that had an interesting... Uh, you know, I hate to say... I mean, Jay Scrub, right? If he, if he ends up not being good, right? <laughs> That'd like, be awesome. Jay Scrub. Yeah. <laughs> it will be unfortunate if EV does stink. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, yeah, that's a good name. Okay, good. Yeah, there's some pretty good ones. Let's, uh, again, we'll wrap this up here. Uh, you're a busy man. A few more questions. Cole Anthony was a name we knew. RJ Hampton, of course, was a name we knew. They were, I think, at one time, like top five recruits, right? Yeah. They have slipped. I mean, they've, they've dropped pretty significantly. Yeah. Why do you think their reps like sort of took such a hit? So I, RJ Hampton, I'm not sure he slipped that much. Okay. Um, he's going to go between, let's say, 8 and 20. Okay. Um, and uh, so I think I had him 16th uh, to Portland. That's right. Uh, but he, he could still end up going in the lottery. I think he still has fans. He wasn't great in New Zealand this year. It was a, the team itself was like a, a mess. Like there are stories from there that are whoa. Um, but um, you know his shots a little shaky. He played mostly as like a high volume scorer uh, as a high school player, and I don't think really that's what he can be as an NBA player. So he's got to kind of shape his game in a different way. Uh, but he's got tools, and there are people who are interested in him. Uh, Anthony, I think, probably slipped more with his play at UNC. Um, I think people see, like, he's not an impactful defender. He's not a guy who can involve other people that well. He's more just a straight scorer. Uh, and at that, one who kind of re- really struggled to finish in the painted area, even at the college level. Uh, has a strong body. He's a pretty good outside shooter and can create shots. And so... I think people see more like a third guard in him now. Mm. So I, I do think he's going to go in the first round. But I think the perception is if you look at the, the point guard hierarchy in this draft, right? Like LaMelo Ball is way at the top, obviously. Uh, Halliburton, if you think he's a point guard, is next. Uh, and then you get into Killian Hayes and Kira Lewis are like the next tier. And then after that, I think Tyrell Terry has kind of jumped Anthony 
on, on most people's boards as the next guy. Hmm. Um, so I, I think Anthony still gets in the first round at the end of the day, but people were talking to him to, about him top five in the beginning of the year, and I there's no chance of that happening at all. Yeah, for sure. Okay, I didn't mistake in that. That's what it felt like, for sure. Uh, yeah. Maybe that's a part, like... He's Greg Anthony's son, right? Uh, you know, there's a link to an NBA. Is he his son? Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. But yeah. I mean, it's not it's not even unusual anymore. Like, no. there's, there's no. a lot of these guys now. <laughs> yeah. Which player do you think is most likely to contribute to a championship team because of where they maybe get drafted here on a to a good team? Of course, a team like in contention. Uh, clearly, the guy the Grizzlies take at forty will contribute the most ah, to a championship team. That's this a year. fantastic answer. Who do you got? I mean, I know you didn't do the second round when <laughs> uh, it came to this. Do you have any uh, guesses uh, who the Grizzlies are taking? No, I, I, uh, I don't. I don't. Uh, the, the the second round is such a crapshoot. All the picks move all around, and you know, it, the, it's only fifty fifty that they are they are actually end up picking at forty. Right? There's going right. to be some trade or another where they move up, move down, move out. There's, it's. It's like uh, it's like electrons in the second round. Like they're just bouncing all over uh, the picks. But um, uh, no, uh, in terms of who could contribute to a championship team, sort of like right now. Yeah. Um, I would say uh, Tyrese Halliburton would definitely be a guy. I think Desmond Bain is a guy late in the draft that teams look at like can contribute. I think uh, Sadiq Bay is, yep. is another guy like that who like shows the ability to defend in switches, but also can make open threes. Um, and like maybe not like crazy high upside with those guys, but those are definitely players that teams uh, that are in closer to a win now mode are, are looking at and saying like, okay, we can actually we can actually get a piece here that is part of our top nine in a, in a playoff series. Sure. All right. Those are some names to watch. Tass, Trey, any other questions for uh, for John here before we go? Well, one guy that we don't think will be contributing to a championship team. We touched on him earlier, Alexi. Pokashevsky, he, yes. like we said, he's very tall. You list him as a, quote, power forward because, <laughs> like we're saying, this guy, is he weighs less than Skeets despite being, you know, over seven feet tall. You yeah. have him slotted for the Mavericks, which means that, to me, a little bit, they're they're ready to wait. You know, they've got Luka, they've got Chris Stapps, obviously, but they're probably not in the championship mix right away. They're playing a little bit longer of a game. Is this guy going to be the next Giannis? Is he going to be the next Jonathan Bender? The next Nicholas Skitavilli? There's a lot of ranges when you see yeah. a very tall perimeter-oriented player uh, who doesn't have a lot of muscle on their frame yet. So what do you feel about this guy? He's really interesting. Like, he's really skilled. Um, like, you watch him grab and go with rebounds, pull up from the three-point line, make one-handed passes off the dribble, like... There are a lot of seven-footers in the league right now who can't do the stuff he does. Um, now, conversely, he can't do the stuff that a lot of seven-footers in the league can. <laughs> like, he has no lower body strength at all. So he just, like, anytime he has to turn against any kind of uh, any kind of muscle or lean or forearm or anything, he's just like, wow, he's just flung backwards. And uh, so it gets, gets thrown off bounds pretty easily. Uh not sure his motor is always revving super hot uh, yeah. in some of these games, but it's so hard to tell because the level of competition that he's playing against. Uh, so I do think he's a tough eval for teams. And I think it's just, you have to go into this accepting that there is a huge range of outcomes and you have to be okay if he's a total bust. 
is he the kind of player in a normal draft year when you're able to get him in for workouts and you're seeing him time and time again? Would he be flying up the draft boards if we're seeing a young guy handling like Giannis out there? Uh, Well, I mean, probably not because usually you can't get these guys in for workouts that are playing for European Mm -hmm. teams at the same time uh, and are under contract to him. It's very very tough. Sure. Uh, So... I'm not sure the situation would actually be much different. I mean, teams would be trying to sneak into their practices and see them and whatnot. <laughs> um, but that's easier with some teams than with others. Like Denny Avdia, every team got to go in and see him practice or whatever. Like he's there, there's like no mystery there at, at, at all um, from that perspective. But th- th- this guy is, is definitely a little more of that. Um, and then there's a lot of cat and mouse games going on already. A lot of intrigue about whether he has a promise and he shut down his workouts and he didn't go to the combine and like there's 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 definitely some cloak and dagger stuff going on exciting not to give you some uh some intel extremely late here john but as you said danny Abdia, everybody knew about him i knew about him when he was at a bakery in marietta i know you're a local atlanta guy i got a a, a text from my <laughs> in-laws who saw on facebook that he took a photo with his israeli crew in georgia <laughs> mm-hmm. uh and I was just wondering, are, are they working him out? Are they talking to him? Does he like bread? Uh, well, I know he were, he actually worked out for Golden State here, I want to say. Right, um, yeah. I think I, I think his, his, uh, his little fulcrum was here, right? I think he set up shop. Yeah, um, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, so, um, which is smart, right? Because it probably means he, you know... Got those Delta miles. Yeah, I was going to say. Yeah, you're <laughs> close to the airport. Now you're there 15 minutes. You stroll right through nowadays. Yeah, you yeah. Can zip around everywhere. Okay. Good. It's a good call. I, I just hope he visited the big chicken. Let's <laughs> <laughs> hope so. Well, let's end with this, John. Uh, come November 18th, draft night, fill in the blank. The biggest winner from the 2020 NBA draft is blank. You can go player, team. What, what do you think? You know, look into your crystal ball. Biggest winner. Yeah. Like, what will be the big headline coming out of that November 18th draft night? Ready for free agency? (laughs) (laughs) Thank God. Who's ready ready to sign some players? Yeah. The the biggest story might be the contract that gets dumped to give somebody Mm. cap room. Ah, okay. Okay, we'll take that. That, That's uh, that's a nice way to end it right there. John Hollinger, very excited about the 2020 uh, NBA draft. I mean, I'm sure a lot of these front offices are, they're done, right? I mean, they've been talking about these same guys over and over and over again. Oh, since March. Yeah. I mean, every one of these front offices is ready to hold the draft on like April 27th, right? Sure, Cause it, sure. Because it was all they did when the league shut down is do all their draft homework. So uh, I, th- I think it's going to be almost a relief when this finally gets done for them. Us as well. <laughs> and we're not even the biggest draft experts. But uh, guys, go check out John Hollinger's NBA mock draft. It's up on The Athletic. There it is. JD throwing it up for the stream teamers right now. Talking about LaMelo, James Wiseman, and all of the top picks. John, thank you so much for joining it. We really appreciate it. All right, thanks for having me, guys. All right, Clipper Bros. You heard it here first. Have a great time. Turn up. Love you guys. Awesome. You could stay.
As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.